Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to CallbyCast. Welcome. Yeah, we had a little bit of a break, but we might have had a bonus episode air. Yeah, I need to uh, listen to the audio and see how bad it is. Yeah, so <laughs> if the bonus episode did not get posted, just know it's because the audio quality was likely terrible. The room we were recording in was not exactly sound-friendly. Uh, yes. So this was our panel that we did out at uh, IsekaiCon. Yep. So if any of you guys did catch us live, we want to thank you guys again for your participation Mm -hmm. and your support. Because honestly, we had a really good audience. Yeah. So made us very happy. And it kind of opened up a few doors for some potential future projects. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully that bonus episode does get out, but no no guarantees. Yeah, we'll see. But I am your host, Candice. And I am Tyler. And yeah, let's go ahead and get started with our anime news. Uh, anime news, I have none, because it's that <laughs> time of the year where we're transitioning into a new season of anime. So all of the news is just And this all of the news is like, oh, check out visuals for this anime that's coming up next month. So, yeah. yeah. So we got a lot for like Jujutsu Kaisen. We got some for solo leveling. Uh, one that I'm pretty excited about. This was more of an announcement than anything, but they did announce that we are getting another given movie. Nice. So... Uh, I know the manga Forgiven has wrapped up, so I don't know how many more actual seasons we'll get. Yeah, I don't even think I saw the first movie. You did. We watched it together. Did we? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> so it was the one with the uh, Aki and his old roommate that played the violin. Rings a bell. Yeah, and it has the really, really uncomfortable scene between him and Haruki. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I'm pretty sure that was blocked out of my memory. Yeah, good thing because Pro- protecting me myself from trauma. It really was the one thing about Given that made me really dislike Aki. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just it's one of those things that I'm just like, well, I could live without it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But I am excited for I I think for me the part that I really disliked about the movie was that they cut out all of the uh, Oyama and Mafuyu scenes. But from my understanding, they added those to the OVAs, which I have not watched. So, but all of that content was way better than all of the Aki and Haruki content, in my opinion. Okay. But I am excited for this new movie. New songs. Woo. Yep. So, yeah. That's that's basically all I got for anime news. Alright. Yeah. So, the subject I really wanted to talk about this week was kind of going into... Stuff that's kind of not just related to anime, but is kind of being related to media and pop culture as a whole right now. Uh, Particularly the biggest thing was the wrap-up of both the winner of the Crunchyroll Awards as well as a popular series that was recently on HBO that has been gaining a lot of attention, a lot of traction. News articles related to that specific show and just a lot of buzz about this particular genre as a whole. Oh shit, are we talking The Last of Us? That's not an animu. It's not. (laughs) So I really wanted to talk about uh, video game adaptations into a series. Uh, And The Last of Us has been causing this huge stir in kind of the gaming community and kind of nerd and pop culture community as a whole. Mm -hmm. Particularly, like, okay, so just... To let you guys know, I have not seen The Last of Us, nor have I played The Last of Us. Nor have I. On both accounts. Yeah. (laughs) But I... The big thing that's been going around media right now is the idea that The Last of Us is the series that ended the video game adaptation curse. And if you guys are not aware of what the video game adaptation curse is, it's the idea that if you ever try to adapt a video game into a TV show or a film... It's just going to flop. It's just going to be bad. And most people genuinely believe that this is always going to be the case. Particularly things like Assassin's Creed come to mind. And it got to the point where people are just like, we don't want to see adaptations of our favorite video games. It should just not be a thing because they're never going to do it right. And even in the anime community, this holds true. Things like 
Persona 5, the animation, <laughs> being a really good example. Of... Yeah, Dragon Ball Evolution. No, <laughs> no, no, that was uh, that was just anime turned live action. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's not strictly just to video games. It's it's like anything from one adaptation. You're from from one. Um, media source to another yeah, has just not held up well. And to me, I think the particular thing that makes video games an easy target for this kind of failure is the fact that two major things. One, a series can never quite match the length of a video game. And two, when video game developers are creating their game, a big part of what they want to create isn't just the storytelling, but also the immersion, and it's really hard to replicate that immersion in any kind of television series format. And going back to Persona 5 is a really good example here. The biggest reason the anime particularly failed is because one, Joker's supposed to be a bit of a self-insert silent protagonist, so making him a very vocal protagonist that has dialogue and lines and all of these things that are supposed to feed more into him being a real person as opposed to a player-controlled person kind of fell a little bit flat. There's always going to be things where people are going to be like, well, that's not the line that I chose for Joker to say in my playthrough. And clearly my playthrough was the correct playthrough and other people's playthroughs were the wrong playthrough. Okay, but clearly... The correct line for all of Joker's lines should be the one where you throw Ryuji under the bus. It's true. (laughs) Always. I love Ryuji, but always throw Ryuji under the bus. Right? But yeah, the other issue with Persona 5 does boil down to length. It is a 100-hour game minimum, and a 12-episode anime is not gonna cut it for a hundred hours that's that's like that's not even six hours yeah you know of of footage so yeah yeah so you are cutting a ton of content and leaving it on the or editing room floor the final problem with adaptations like this is that ultimately the parts that are going to be focused on is going to be either just really hype moments that everybody who played the video game is going to get a lot of fan service out of or it's going to be an interpretation of the director's perspective of how they felt when they played the video game. And that's not going to appeal to everybody. The fan service element is only going to appeal to people who played the video game. And the perspective front is going to be offensive to anybody who has played the video game. So you're basically killing half your audience either way you go here. Yeah. But it's not like Persona hasn't been able to be turned into a good anime in the past. The Persona 3 films particularly are really good. And I would argue that they are some of the best adaptations of Persona into any medium I've seen so far. Like, I... The Persona 4 anime was okay. The Persona 4 golden OVAs were terrible. (laughs) and the Persona 5 anime was terrible. Yeah. They all brought good things. Like, I really liked the whole chess metaphor that was in P5A, especially because it's actually referenced at the end of P5R, where he's, big spoiler, but he's fighting Maruki at the end, and the last line he says is checkmate, which makes no fucking sense in the game, since chess is never referenced in the entire 120-hour playthrough of the game. But it is referenced in the anime, as it's implied that Joker and Akechi's entire relationship was based off the idea of two people playing chess. So for Joker to bring that back up in his fight against Maruki is almost like he's doing it both for himself and for the promise he made to Akechi. And it gives it a lot more meaning, so you kind of have to watch the anime to understand that one stupid line of dialogue in the video game that could have been fixed just by adding those references into the video game. (laughs) If they had even just mentioned once any kind of scene of Akechi and Joker playing chess, it would have fixed that in the game. Yeah. So the anime is always do bring some kind of artistic value to the franchise, but... If a majority of that 12-episode run is garbage, it doesn't fucking matter if there's one scene that worked really well. Yeah, uh, how many people actually made it to that one scene? 
right? <laughs> also, there's this weird part where, like, Akechi gives Joker, like, the, like, king piece or whatever. And when, like, he gives it to him, it's just a normal size fucking chess piece. And then later, Joker's holding it in the metaverse, and it's, like, a foot long. <laughs> like, it's just massive in his hand. <laughs> and I'm like, what the actual fuck? They can't even keep the scale correct in this series. Is, is that the only thing that gets bigger in the metaverse? Because, <laughs> uh, I have some other things. What the fuck is scaling? <laughs> These animators yeah. literally did not give a shit by the time they got to episode 12, all right? I'm just saying. Clearly. <laughs> but, yeah, uh... But a lot of people are arguing that, yes, The Last of Us is the grand show, the show that broke the curse. And while I haven't seen it, from my understanding, the biggest thing that The Last of Us did correctly was it genuinely feels like it's just the game. Like, you're just watching the game. It, The way they handled the cinematography, the costume designs, the casting... The script writing, everything about it, they did add some of their own content based off of Easter eggs and things you can find in the game. But for the most part, what fans really felt like was the most appealing is it's just like, hey, now we could say we played The Last of Us without playing The Last of Us. And goddamn Persona 5 fans would really love something that would let them be Persona 5 fans without playing the game, because as we know, Persona 5 fans don't actually play Persona 5. Yeah, what's up with yeah. that? <laughs> it's so, just like Overwatch 2 fans don't actually play Overwatch it's 2. It's true. <laughs> so because of this, there's this large spark of hope that seeing all of these so-and-so studios have uh, picked up the rights to make a live-action adaptation of this specific video game. And everybody said, no, please fucking stop. We don't want live action adaptations. They're always shit. But The Last of Us has given people this hope that maybe if it's put in the right hands, we can see something that's made both for the fans, but also could be something to introduce the franchise to non-fans. And ultimately, that's what The Last of Us has done right. Particularly with the newer content that they added, uh, one scene I know for a fact was really big was seeing the birth of Ellie in a flashback. Mm-hmm. And what made that scene hit a lot harder was that the actress who played her mother is the voice actress who voiced the character in the video game. Yeah. So she kind of got this double meaning of she brought the character to life in the game and her she played the mother who literally brings the character to life in the show. Yeah. And it was kind of this beautiful little callback to the fans. Like, anybody who was a fan of the video game knew who that was. They knew who the woman playing the mother was. It wasn't subtle. It wasn't one of those things that they tried to kind of sneak under the radar. It was a big, thought-provoking, deep, emotional thing. And so that begs the question... Are there other adaptations that really hold up to that? And I would say The Last of Us is not the first to do this. Particularly, we wanted to talk about an anime that we just barely finished watching. Um, I mean, before we get into that, I mean, we can even just go straight from video game to live action things. Mm-hmm. You know, before uh, The Last of Us, they did, um, oh, what's, what's the game called? But the character's name is Nathan Drake. Tom Holland played him. Oh, uh, Uncharted. Yeah. Yeah. And and from my understanding was that while it wasn't, you know, like the masterpiece that everyone claims The Last of Us is, it also just wasn't this huge disappointment. Yeah. You know? And then another big one that, you know, was The Witcher. You know? Oh, yeah, The Witcher. That's another really good which, one. Which was a, a series as a long with The Last of Us, mm-hmm. you know, but now they've recast uh, Henry Cavill as that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> kind of sucks. Whatever. Um, so we'll, we'll see how the, the next season of that holds up, because from my understanding is, is Henry Cavill's dedication to the source material is mm-hmm. kind of what made 
that show so great. Yeah, that's another big thing is that, like, from my understanding, Netflix was a bit upset with his performance because they said he was too dedicated to the source material. Yeah. But the thing is, that's what the fans want. They want to see their actors being really big fans of the work that they are now portraying. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tom Holland said that he wanted to be in the Uncharted movie because he loved the video games and it was something he was extremely passionate about. And we, if we even want to go into like older things, because a lot of people do compare uh, the rise of video game adaptations similar to the rise of comic book adaptations where the Marvel Cinematic Universe started making these films look more like serious, genuine things that people wanted to enjoy as opposed to the campy stuff that we got in the past. But I don't see anything wrong with camp, particularly a really fun, campy video game adaptation was Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. Yeah. They I mean, weren't that was good that, movies. Look, they weren't good movies, but they were fun. They, yeah. You could enjoy them. I mean, there was a reason it had, what, two, three sequels? Yeah. You know? It made money. It was good enough to... to continue to make more yeah and i mean hell even the original video games kind of felt like camp oh they kind of were yeah i mean i mean let's let's face it we all played the original just for those triangle tits yeah (laughs) i mean the latest video games for uh tomb raider are a bit more serious and a bit more like intense and story driven but some of the original i genuinely could not tell you any of the actual fucking stories from the original all I remember was like these weird puzzle solving mechanics where most of the time solving the puzzle was just shoot everybody in the room. So yeah. <laughs> it was like Indiana Jones with tits. Like it was always really fun. Well, yeah, 100%. And like that's what I liked about it and that's why the films with Angelina Jolie worked so well. If they tried to make a film like that nowadays though of a video game adaptation, it would just be listed as bad. I mean, hell, I think if they did try to make new Tomb Raider movies based off the more current video games, it would turn into another Spider-Man situation where everybody's like, oh, but the Sam Raimi films were so much better, you know? Yeah. People genuinely like that campiness. They they like the cheesiness. They like the weird one-liners that nobody would ever actually fucking say in real life. Like, go get him, tiger. <laughs> what do you, you tell? I say that all the time. <laughs> It only works if you slap someone's ass, though. You, you gotta be like, go get him, tiger, and then, you know, nice hard slap. No homo. <laughs> no homo. <laughs> but yeah, so with that, I do kind of want to get... Oh, one thing, actually, before we get into the actual anime adaptations. Uh, something that made me kind of a bit nervous was the director that's currently working on the Ghost of Tsushima film. Oh boy. Basically came out, it was just like, well, now that The Last of Us was successful and broke the curse of bad video game adaptations, now I think that Ghost of Tsushima will be successful. And I'm like, you should have thought it would be successful right from the starting gate. Like, you shouldn't have to watch somebody win the race to tell yourself, well, now I might win the race too. Oh, man, I'm glad that guy came in first. Now I can come in first. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very bad mentality to have, but I haven't quite given up on the Ghost of Tsushima adaptation because the actor that they casted for Jin Sakai is Jin Sakai. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's that's so heartwarming, though. (laughs) That's so good to know. I I hope he brings that same level of dedication that, you know, Henry Cavill and, you know, Tom Holland brought to their characters. Yeah. And mind you, it's a bit of a double-edged sword casting the voice actor who played the character to now be the live-action adaptation actor because it does mean that they picked him purely based off of fan appeal as opposed to actually auditioning the character for somebody who may have been able to pull off the role a little bit better. But I'm not ruling him out because he might do something incredible with the role. Yeah. Because he's been extremely dedicated to the character from the very beginning. And I do think that there's a lot of potential for him to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think what the live action adaptation Ghost of Tsushima is going to come down to 
is whether or not they could keep that cinematography that made the game so appealing in the first place. Yeah. And I think if they could do that and they can get some good writing, I think it'll be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, Ghost of Tsushima's writing really isn't the best, I will admit. It had one of the best endings in a video game I've ever played, but it's it's not anything, like, groundbreaking. So I, I do think that they'll have to be careful with that. Yeah. But with the whole commentary on good writing from video games out of the way, I do want to talk about the anime we just barely finished watching. Mm-hmm. And the anime that actually won anime of the year this year. And one that I'm I'm pretty proud won anime of the year because I definitely think it deserved it more than Demon Slayer or Attack on Titan. But I do feel like maybe set its expectations a little too high for me, and that is Cyberpunk 2077 Edgerunners. Yeah. So, I have not played Cyberpunk. I have. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I do not. I did not have a system at the time that I really wanted to see just burst into flames. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, my my poor PlayStation 4 would have just died if I tried to play it. Yeah. And I did not have a good PC. So I'm like, I, do I want to kill my console or do I just want to skip this one? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I understand. Yeah. As, as someone who played it when it first came out, boy, did I have a lot of crashing problems. Yeah. Um, They have updated it since then. And, you know, it's a lot more stable. But you know what? I call that the running the cyberpunk experience, okay? <laughs> that That is dedication to your immersion, okay? I, After watching the anime, I'm actually inclined to believe that. <laughs> One of the bi uh, big plot points of cyberpunk edgerunners <clears throat> is the idea that the more you try to upgrade your cyber tech, the more you try to change what makes you human, the more you'll become corrupted by it until it ultimately destroys you. And so I think the idea of people trying to play a video game to that degree on consoles that are at the time were considered obsolete is a really good metaphor for the theme of the show. <laughs> good times yeah <laughs> <laughs> like david really was that poor playstation 4 just trying to run the game okay yeah that your poor ps4 is like i'm different i well, swear I, to I, god i'm I, different i can make it <laughs> but i really really loved the idea of edge runners as an adaptation for a video game because as somebody who hasn't played cyberpunk and doesn't know anything about like he these major different companies that are are mentioned, the... Uh, like Militech, Militech and Arasaka. Yeah. These big companies that obviously play a huge role <laughs> in the game. Uh, me having no background knowledge about them, I was more inclined to care about the characters than about the Easter eggs and the references. And the character writing for this show was really handled well. Ultimately, it's a show about, like these misfits that were not handed life with a silver spoon you know they they all basically started from the back alleys and the streets and they see anybody who has this level of privilege as people that just either need to be stepped on or just ignored yeah and and i mean that was the the basic theme of the tabletop game you know way back when it first came out you know and that was the theme of basically you know the the video game as well was like oh yeah you're just you're just kind of on the fringe you have to do what you got to do to make it in the city like that it, it's it's a fucked up world yeah and the, so the show starts off a lot with david basically being so goddamn poor that even things like a funeral have to be done at a discounted price. Like, you gotta get the uh, fresh value cremation. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. The... 
and he <coughs> lives in a world where literally doing anything costs money. You want your laundry done? You better fucking pay all the credits to run the wash for an entire cycle. It feels a bit dystopian at this point, because right now we're kind of living in a world where, yeah, you could get your water or electricity shut off if you don't pay your bills, but you don't have to pay for every fucking washing cycle that you go through. Like, yeah, like, I can go and use my washing machine and throw a load in, and I don't have to worry about, oh, shit, I need to put in three more dollars in order to finish this load. Yeah, even, like, just making his brain work properly from my understanding like the very first episode he mentions that he got a chip off the street basically to upgrade uh, his software so, so yeah this was basically the equivalent of running the right software for your school mm -hmm. you know and and he basically got the uh the pirated version he got a bootleg he got the bootleg and it didn't work and it caused the rest of the system to crash <laughs> which is a really really good metaphor for the idea of paying your tuition yep like or anybody who even went to a nice school or went to class and couldn't participate in the class because you didn't have your laptop with you that day or you couldn't even pay for something like the fee to use the glass. Like, I know my high school in particular had a very good art program where they taught, like, traditional painting, digital media, all of that stuff. But in order to participate in the class, you either had to buy a nice computer for the digital media people or you had to buy really expensive art supplies for the traditional media. And it meant that just participating in school had a paywall outside of tuition. Mm -hmm. I know I signed up for things like Woodshop and literally spent an entire semester in Woodshop not being able to do anything because my mom could not afford to pay for the fee for me to take the safety course and to get the safety equipment. It was like an $80 fee just to participate in the class. Yeah. And the school did not provide like extra gear or anything like that for students that couldn't afford the fee. It sucks when you're growing up in the working class and mm -hmm. you're, you sign up for something you're really passionate about only to have to tell your parents, I need to pay for all of this extra stuff. And your parents are like, well, you could either pay for that or we can eat this week. And so David's mom was one of those type that was willing to do anything to provide that for her son. To the point of, well, taking... Uh military equipment off of a dead guy yep <laughs> yeah so and we learned that basically all of the edge runners had some level of background like that and even all of them are just kind of surprised that this kid from some really prestigious school ended up being among their group because they're just like oh aren't you privileged aren't you special they're just and like oh look look at this asshole from arasaka academy like pff, he'll never fit in around here yeah and only... he's like bitch i never fit in at arasaka academy yeah only to find out that he was probably more like them than they were so spoiler alert like second episode his mom dies and a car crash is getting caught up in the crossfire between a gang war. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And the insurance company that comes to aid them from the car crash scans them and finds out, oh, they're not paying for our plan. So they yeah, literally just leave like, them in the street They're to die. like right there. They are, you know, the equivalent of an ambulance. And, and it's just like, oh, well, pff, these guys are still alive, but... They're not subscribed to the, our plan, so... So they're just gonna lay in the street and die. Yeah, which is really fucked up. Yeah. So I don't want to get too much into the series. I really do think <clears throat> it did earn its Anime of the Year award, in my opinion. Uh, I think it was probably one of the few anime that came out last year that really had a much deeper story to tell. And it used the video game not so much as like a one-for-one -one shot like we see with The Last of Us, but more as just a reference for the themes and environments that it wanted to use to tell its story. Mm -hmm. Like all of these characters are original characters, this story is an original story, it just happens to take place in the same universe, 
And as far as going back to the cinematography element, the framing and artwork from the show feels like it came straight out of the video game. Yeah. Like, there's so many shots in this game that just... Or not in this show that I just feel like that's something you could just pause right now and appreciate it as just being this beautiful art piece. Mm-hmm. Like, watching David slowly lose himself throughout the show was genuinely beautiful in its own twisted, demented way. And really does feel like how it feels to lose yourself in a world that's constantly trying to push you further and further into debt. And eventually you do lose who you were and what you were passionate about and what you cared about. At the end of the day, you are just living your life for somebody else. And it's hard to say that you had your own goals in mind. And I think that types of theming and elements and what it took from the video game to tell its own story was the reason it made anime of the year. And I think that is an idea of adaptation that's not utilized enough. In my opinion, yeah, yeah, um, really was an emotional roller coaster too. <laughs> yeah. Like throughout the entire show, it's only ten episodes, but oh my god! Mm-hmm. Like, is this gonna make my top five anime of all time? Not at all. But was it anime of the year? Yeah, it earned it. <laughs> so it's probably not even my favorite Trigger series. But it had amazing character writing, yeah. and it stuck to those themes and ideas that are so like well known throughout just kind of the whole cyberpunk genre as a whole. Yeah, I uh I was going to say that too about Trigger, like obviously that's the animation studio and you can just tell like a lot of the the animation like styles and stuff just they look it, it's it's very um iconic to trigger like you can clearly tell it's it's their anime yeah which is really cool but yeah so that kind of gets us into the whole idea of adaptations that don't follow the storylines of the game you're not going to see keanu reeves in this anime Damn. unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> i kind of checked to see if he maybe showed up as an easter egg somewhere and i couldn't spot him but I wouldn't be surprised if he is there somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there are some Easter eggs. Like, there was one character that I saw, uh, literally just in the background, mm-hmm. that uh, I saw her. And I was like, oh my god, she's from the game. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, shit, that's cool. <clears throat> and I'm sure there are Easter eggs there, but they're not so intrusive that people who haven't played the video game are going to get distracted or sidelined from the story just for the anime to point it out like oh my god look look there they are look right there see look let's focus the shot (laughs) on them for a little bit they really are just background characters yeah absolutely like i said the the one character i saw she i don't even think she had a line in the anime it was just i recognized her i was like that is cool (laughs) and that is Um, cool and then there's like some other things you know like they mentioned uh like the delamain taxi cab service which if you played the game you know what that is Mm -hmm. but it's it again it's something that's like even if you don't know it's not gonna like be a big deal yeah uh i also feel like we traded Keanu Reeves for Matt Mercer, so I'm pretty okay with that. Oh, I (laughs) fucking loved his character. Mm. Right? Peak. So good. Like, without spoiling anything, the whole time, like, since they introduced his character, I'm like, if he dies, we riot. I know. Like, (laughs) he he had, like, just a couple moments that I was like, "Mm, one more moment like this, and you're just gonna become my favorite character. Yeah. They did kill a, quite a few of my favorite characters from this show. So yeah. So don't go into this expecting a happy ending, because mind you, they do still want you to play the video game. It was it was the long-armed guy. He was your favorite, right? What, oh, no. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't expect anyone to like him. Yeah, no. Uh, the one buff chick... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked her. She was cool. Yeah. So, I I can't think of her name. I know it begins with a D, but I I can't think of what her name is right now. Yeah. 
I liked her. I liked Rebecca mm-hmm. a lot, and like so I liked the character that Matt Mercer played. Mm-hmm. So they there was a lot of really good characters. I also really liked David and Lucy as being yeah. t- the two as, main as being the main characters. They they did a really good job. Yeah. So I I do think that this uh, show basically came down to character writing. And it is a version of adaptation that I would like to see more often. We kind of saw it a little bit with that new Lord of the Rings show that came out. But even that, I feel like it it was based more off the Simulrian, mm-hmm. which is a series that wasn't made to be adapted into a story. It really is more of like a history textbook thing. So I didn't watch it, but from my understanding, it got pretty mixed reviews. Either it wasn't faithful enough or it was faithful to a fault. I would like to see more genres and shows kind of explore this idea of, like, stories that take place in the same universe as video games. As opposed to just being direct adaptations. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. We're kind of getting that with Persona 5. They're making a mobile game that takes place in the same universe as B5. Shit, for reals, huh? Yeah, so... Interesting. Yeah, I do think it can work. And from my understanding, there are a few Lord of the Rings video games that do take place in Middle Earth that have nothing to do with the Fellowship storyline. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I... It could, it could be a thing. Uh, kind of going into that, another form of adaptation that became really popular was Arcane. And this one is up for debate whether or not it qualifies as an anime, but it goes more into the backstories of a lot of the characters in the game. Particularly, it focuses on Jinx's story. Mm-hmm. And this is also another one we haven't gone around to watching, but I believe the reason why this one works so well is it it's not from the video game itself. It really is just, we are going to adapt... Jinx's story, which is referenced in the game, but you don't actually get to see it. And I think if we ever got anything like an Overwatch anime or an Omioji anime, this would be the route that they would have to go with. Because the gameplays for those really aren't story-driven. But the characters in those games are very good and very amazing and some of the best writing ever. Well, like, that even shows with uh, Overwatch, you know, when it was originally coming out, mm-hmm. you know, they'd, they'd do their their character shorts, and the character shorts were... Omioji's the same way. Really good. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, it, it's, it would be have to be about the characters, because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, nobody wants to watch six idiots try to push a payload yeah (laughs) you know come on (laughs) and in this we see widowmaker and tracer both working together to push the payload (laughs) right let's go lesbians mortal enemies (laughs) just reinhardt in the background going let's go lesbians let's go (laughs) has has a flag like attached to his hammer as he's waving it around But yeah, Omioji is the exact same way, where the gameplay of Omioji is your typical, uh, like, gotcha game, where you just collect, like, characters, and then you just fight little, like, mini fights, and every now and again, there's, like, a bit of a story beat to each level, but for the most part, you're just going around collecting shit. Mm -hmm. But then they introduce these ridiculously incredible animations that are very short and kind of are trailer-esque, but they are just god-tier animation and they're so beautiful and they're so incredible and you're just like holy shit why aren't we just getting a video game that looks like this because <laughs> this is incredible and the gotcha game is just it's okay i do i have struggled to actually get too into the actual gameplay of omioji and i know a lot of people are the same way Particularly in the figure collecting community where a lot of people will be like, oh my god, I bought all these Omioji figures because they're just stunning and gorgeous and amazing and they always deliver. I can't fucking play the video game for more than 10 minutes before I get frustrated. (laughs) So yeah, there is a market for more things like Arcane where it's like, you really dislike the community and the game itself, but damn, can we actually just get full-length series that are just dedicated to teaching us about the characters and their stories? There would be so many 
there's there's too many characters from League of Legends to yeah. to go over like all of their stories. Like that's that would be rough. Look at the huge success of things like Kata though. Where Kata actually had straight up concerts that people were attending. Uh, by proxy you get things like these Splatoon concerts. I mean, hell, gotcha games have been doing fantastic adaptations of character backstories for a long time. Look at the Fate franchise, which is a huge rabbit hole to dive into, where the gameplay itself is just go on missions and collect waifus. Fate Fate doesn't count, because its history is all history, so they have a (laughs) lot to, to pull from. But you could also argue Token Rambu, which okay. has had two really good adaptations, both of which do not, like, play the same way that the games play. <laughs> yeah. You get the nice, fun Citadel <laughs> Slice of Life series, where the Citadel gameplay in the actual gacha game is just send two people to do field work, send two people to do horse duties, and send two people to do training, and then 24 hours later, do it again. That's the whole gameplay in Token Rambu when it comes to the Citadel life. And then the actual, like, going on missions in uh, Katsugeki is, like, this really intense thing where any decisions they make will have a ripple effect <coughs> on history. Even if they complete their missions and do it right, it's like, oh my god, but we're changing the events to happen, like, a few months before they're supposed to happen. And how do we get this back on track? And it's this really deep story where the game is just, like... Your characters came back without dying? Woo, you did it! Good job. Woo! A rank. <laughs> it's a lot more simplistic, and the actual whole time retrograde thing's not really explained in the game. Other than just generic enemies to tear down so you can continue to level up and collect more boys. And I feel like gotcha game adaptations all basically kind of live up to that. They're either slice of life, or they are way more intense and serious than the actual game itself. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like that kind of falls under the same umbrella as things like Arcane, where we are learning more about the characters and the story and the the ideas that from the video game as opposed to the actual video game gameplay itself. Yeah. And then finally, <laughs> I would say the last kind of actually, there's one more anime that I feel like does fall into that umbrella adaptation that not a lot of people really think of as being a video game adaptation but 100% is and that's Pokemon yeah the Pokemon anime that one's an interesting one yeah I mean Yu-Gi-Oh as well if we're getting into it but Yu-Gi-Oh I mean Digimon Digimon uh, was Beyblade. Beyblade is another <laughs> was, one. I was was that one made to sell the toys, or was the the toys available before the anime? Yeah, I would say Beyblade and Yu Gi Oh. I'm not even going to qualify because they were toys first, then they were anime, and then they got video games. But Pokemon was a video game first. The yeah. card game is an adaptation of the video game. The anime is an adaptation of the video game. And and it, that actually really shows, the like, in the very first opening of Pokemon, mm-hmm. it's pretty much straight from, like, the opening of the video game, where it's, you, you know, starts off with Gengar fighting something was, else. Uh, Nidoran or Nidorino? Yeah, One of the two? something yeah. like that. And it's, like, it really is, like, that direct translation, you know, same camera angle and everything. Before it diverts into, like, the full, like, you know, different, you know, actual battle scene. Yeah, and you could tell that Satoshi or uh, Ash, depending on which version you watched, is loosely based off of Red. Mm -hmm. To the point where when people were kind of upset that he ended up with a Pikachu instead of one of the three actual starters, they then made Pokemon Yellow where you end up with a Pikachu. Mm Mm-hmm. And mind you, as the series has gone on, the gap between Red and Ash has grown significantly to the point where everybody's like, these are two completely different characters. But you would be an idiot to think that Ash wasn't originally based off of Red. Yeah. Like, and that Gary was originally based off of Blue. Or Green, depending on which version you played again. Yeah. So, 
And later they did add another character who was called Green or Leaf, depending on which, again, which translation. But she was a female character, and I think she was added to Leaf Green, which was the remake. Mm-hmm. Where, she, where you had the options like, are you a girl or are you a boy? So, which is where that meme comes from. But Blue was always the rival. Yeah. So. Oh, poor Podcat. But yeah, so I... Who was... Was it uh, in, in Gold and Silver? Was it Silver that was the rival? Yeah. The one that everyone named a douchebag? Yeah, the absolute prick. Oh my god. Everybody thought Gary was bad. Silver was just a straight up criminal. Yeah, like... like... Silver was... He was just the worst. Yeah. Like, and then I think Gold's official name in, like, the translations was actually <clears throat> Ethan. So... <laughs> yeah, something like that. I forget what Silver's is. At this point, it may as well just be douche. Yeah. Like, he was such an asshole. He wasn't even, like, just, like, that typical rival jerk. He was... He straight up tries to mug you when you first meet him. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love... I love how Pokemon has come from, like, oh, your rival's kind of a dick, to your rival's an absolute dick, to, like, now everyone's like, oh, your rival's also kind of your friend, I guess. I In X and Y, your rival is the girl that has feelings for you? Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Which is really fun when you choose uh, Ser- uh, Serena instead of Caleb. Yeah. So... <laughs> If you play as uh, the girl in Pokemon X and Y, you get the lesbian route. Hell yeah. Which is great. <laughs> they didn't even change the gender of the rival to match that. They were just like, nope, you're just straight up gay. Yep. <laughs> but Pokemon still can't be attracted to the Pokemon of the same gender. Nope. It's impossible. Never happens. Never. <laughs> Pokemon can't be gay. But I would argue that Pokemon is the most successful anime adaptation of a video game ever made. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been going on fucking 25 years now. Ash just barely retired. He's yeah. the he's the the corporate, you know, the, he's the employee every corporation wants, you know, 10 years old, 25 years of experience. Yeah. You know, like, he's... <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, I haven't even really watched the anime, mm-hmm. you know, since, you know what is it, Orange Islands or something? But, like, it's a little bittersweet I did watch... to see him go, you know? Yeah, I did watch Sun and Moon. I liked Sun and Moon a lot. Mm-hmm. I actually liked the Sun and Moon anime better than the Sun and Moon games, honestly. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> it worked so much better as an anime than a game. Yeah, I mean, like, I've, I've seen some, but, you know, I just, I didn't watch it religiously like I did. Yeah. You know, every, every morning. Every Saturday well, you know, morning not, with not, four not kids. Every, not even every Saturday morning. I was that kid that was, like, running to school, <laughs> you know, like, sliding into class just before the bell rung. Because you, know, you stayed just, up to watch. Just so I could, you know, stay stay at home later to watch Pokemon before, yeah, yeah no? I, I was the kid that had the VHSs, so <laughs> I think yeah. my stepbrother actually still has those VHSs, too. Like... <laughs> Probably doesn't have a way to play them. I don't know. You don't know my family, man, all right? <laughs> it's very possible he doesn't have a VHS player. All right, that's fair. But, yeah, so undeniably, Pokemon was the most successful anime adaptation of a video game out there, and I think that's completely undeniable. Uh, but as far as the whole idea of direct adaptations of video games that work as a series, the whole video game curse that people claim that The Last of Us has officially broken... I would like to point out that anime is kind of hitting that same area, particularly this season with the Nier Automata adaptation. Mm-hmm. I, this is another one that I have not played the video game for. It's so good. I, it's one that I need to play. <laughs> it's uh, You would love it. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> it's gorgeous and it's fantastic. And it's one that a lot of people were concerned about seeing a anime adaptation for, feeling like there's no way it can capture that. But I've seen nothing but praise from people who have been watching it. This is not another Persona 5. This is straight up just 
people genuinely loving a good anime that just looks gorgeous and has a good story to tell. I am not the best person to tell say whether or not this is a true one-for-one -one adaptation, but I would say it's successful. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's pretty. I think it's fun. And I do want to play the video game, so... I have not watched the anime, because I've kind of been overloaded with things, so... Yeah. I do want to, though. Yeah. And I think we've seen a lot of others come out that were kind of similar. I know they did uh, The World Ends With You, which, from my understanding, that one was a bit more to like closer to like the Persona 5. Mm-hmm. But we are seeing people get really excited about other adaptations of, like, gotcha games. Like, I know everybody's sitting on their knuckles right now waiting for Twisted Wonderland to finally get released <laughs> or have any information about it whatsoever. I recently saw a tweet that was just like, Katsugeki fans watching Twisted Wonderland fans freak out over the fact that they haven't heard any news about their adaptation in a while. <laughs> oh, we yeah. waited a year for a goddamn poster. Yeah. And we will wait another year for the but next that's, poster. But that's progress. I know, right? We are so fucking thirsty for any news <laughs> that we're just like, oh my god, oh my god, guys, it's been exactly a year since the Kanesada poster, and they just released a Mutsunokami poster. <laughs> One year from today, we're gonna get the Kunihiro poster. A jackpot. <laughs> yep, exactly. Someday they'll make this movie, and it'll be like an hour long. I think right now we're going on six years? Since the anime released. Oh boy, yeah. And they announced that a movie was in the works. And then Demon Slayer fans are like, Demon Slayer's not being released fast enough. Why is Ufa Table being so slow? And then Ufa Table's like, here's Demon Slayer, and we're working on Genshin Impact, because we have nothing else to work on, and then Token Rambu fans die. Oh wait, God, are they working on a Genshin Impact they're making, anime? They're making a Genshin Impact anime. <sighs> okay. It's gonna look I'm, pretty. I'm not I'm not against it. Same. Because like I tried playing the game and I just couldn't get into it. It was the grind. If I could watch it, mm -hmm. I'd be down. Yeah. I I think I'm okay with that. I'm excited for it, but it's coming at the expense of me actually getting the movie that I want. <laughs> so, yeah. That's how I feel about Demon Slayer too. But yeah, so was there a video game curse? I don't think so. I think that a lot of these bad adaptations were just quickly rushed projects that studios felt obligated to make because they needed to buy the rights for it before another studio got it. I think that's what happened with things like Assassin's Creed, where a big TV studio or film studio needed to get the licensing, and then once they knew that license was about to expire, they had to pump out a film as quickly as they could. I think that's also what happened with, like, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, <clears throat> mm -hmm. which that movie is currently being worked on, but I think at the time they just wanted to get the license for it as quickly as they could. Same thing with the studio that picked up the Your Name license. It doesn't mean they're actually making a live-action Your Name. It just means it just that means they have the license. Yeah. It just means that nobody else can make a live-action Your Name. Yeah. So I think a lot of film studios jump the gun and buy the rights to these as quickly as they can and then realize they need to do something with that license before it expires. And I think that's why we get so many bad adaptations. But... Well, it's not strictly just bad adaptations either. Like, they're, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why... Uh, what is it? Sony had uh spider-man and there's so many spider-man movies yeah because you know they bought the rights to it way way back in the day and they didn't want to lose it and to they Disney. didn't want to lose it so they're like oh shit if if we don't do something with this we're gonna lose the rights and so they just pump out a movie yeah exactly and i think what we're seeing now is kind of what we saw with the rise of superhero films and that studio's actually giving a damn about the licenses that they pick up. And that's why we got a good The Last of Us. That's why Uncharted was successful. And I think anime studios are kind of in the same boat. They pick up these JRPG projects, and then they know that they just have to pump out something as opposed to actually making something they want to make. 
And we're seeing that change as well, where studios are like, we want to see this video game get turned into an anime or this gacha game get turned into an anime because it's something we genuinely care about. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, there was that one uh, where the anime was basically being run out alongside the video game, mm-hmm. Scarlet Nexus. Yeah. Um, I played the video game. And I know as I was playing it, it was, you know, there was a a thing in it like, oh, watch the anime, you can punch in this code, and you can, you know, like, every week or whatever, which was really interesting because, like I said, they they both basically came out the same day. Yeah. You know. And then there's cases like Cyberpunk (laughs) where Studio Trigger was handpicked by the game studio to make the adaptation of their video game. Yeah. And they gave them so many creative liberties to make the anime. And we're basically just like, we just know Studio Trigger needs to be a part of this. Same with um, Trigger doing the opening sequence for Shantae. Mm-hmm. It's just that these video game studios are aware of these anime studios and they like them. And they're just like, we want you guys to be a part of our project. Yeah. So that's where we get good adaptations from. So I do hope that we will see more projects like that in the future. I think Cyberpunk 2077 was an absolutely incredible experience. Uh, Edge Runners, that is, because I still haven't played the video game. <laughs> uh, boy, let me tell you, watching watching Cyberpunk makes me want to go and play the game again. Do it, because <laughs> I did. I played through, and I did my my like cyber hacking mm-hmm. playthrough where I'd just hack everyone and just like blow their brains out you know like make, make their own chips blow their you know blow and but like my next playthrough I want to just be a muscle bound person and just punch things to death yeah you know <laughs> make sure you finish all your other video games first oh no I have like 67 that'll <laughs> never happen uh you either need to finish destiny or finish only OG. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, well, I'm not playing on me, OG. You mean Omori. Omori, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. Uh, well, Destiny, I've played through the main campaign. The only campaigns I have left are, uh, expansion mm-hmm. campaigns, which I could do, and I mean to, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you finish Omori and then you can go back to playing Cyberpunk. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, I think you're also playing a JRPG right now too, right? Uh, yes. I'm also replaying through Legend of Dragoon, which is, oh my god, I love this game. Were you playing Tales as well? Tales of Arise, yes. Did you finish that one? No. (laughs) (laughs) The list grows, guys. So you got quite a list grows. You got quite a bit on your plate before you get back into cyberpunk, but (laughs) I have so much. (laughs) I also want to go back and replay fucking um We were just talking about it. Uh Near? No, the Samurai game. Oh, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. I need to play the expansion of that game. Yeah. I don't know if I'll replay Ghost of Tsushima because I just don't think a replay of that game will really have the same impact as the first time I played it. I think I might go around and just play around in the world a little bit, but I don't think I'll ever actually go back and start over. Yeah. And that's what I mean by, like, Ghost of Tsushima. As much as I loved that game, I don't feel like its writing was the best. Didn't have... doesn't... You don't feel like it has the same replay value as... Yeah, it really doesn't. Because a lot of its best writing purely comes from shock factors. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my god, I can't believe they fucking did that to me. So replaying it just kind of feels like you already know what's going to happen and there's not a whole lot of alternate routes or feelings that you can... If I could erase my memory of it, I could replay it, but (laughs) that's about it. You, You just need... Uh, uncle from another world powers. Yeah. You know, erase your memory, <laughs> replay the great game. Yeah, I felt like it was a great game, but also the whole first act I really disliked and I felt like was kind of a drag. So I don't think I can make it through that first act ever again. <laughs> I hate <That's>, it. <laughs> I hated that's it. fair. <laughs> so, but with that, uh, I, I would look forward to seeing an adaptation of it. So, oh, also another one that had a good anime adaptation wasn't a video game but i do feel like kind of fits in this uh adaptation umbrella uh critical role yeah they they did a really good 
animated series for that. Yeah, and there are changes between, like, the campaign versus the anime adaptation, but they did so with very, like, thoughtfulness put into it. It wasn't like they were just like, oh, we just don't feel like animating that. It was more just they were like, the pacing would be a lot better if we just jump to this arc or we skip this content or things like that. Some of it was due to drama, but another part of it really was just the fact that D&D campaigns do have those sessions where the characters just bullshit around for three episodes. And an anime adaptation was just kind of like, we'd want to get to the content. Yeah. So it, it was a pacing decision more than anything. Mm-hmm. But with that, uh, to answer the question, I don't think the curse really existed. I think... I think... You, you think it was just a, a bad series of... Uh licensing issues that led to rushed projects. Yep. I think that if you find people that are passionate, there's no such thing as a bad adaptation. Yeah. But you gotta just find people that care. Mm-hmm. So with that, I think we're gonna end the episode there. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thank, thank you. Bye. Bye.